Hello and welcome. I'm Sean. And I'm Kat. And this is another episode of Been There, Seen That. Welcome to our 29th episode. Today we are covering an action film. And if you haven't guessed it by now, today's episode is Top Gun. The 1986 version, not the recent one. I mean, the recent one's going to be Top Gun Maverick, but we're excited for that one too. So excited. Oh my God. Um, I don't even know where to start for this. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I remember leading up to it. I don't remember like exactly the circumstances, but I remember my dad wanted me to watch it for so long. And I did this thing where I wouldn't take my dad's movie recommendations. And down the line, I learned that he actually had really good taste in movies. <laughs> and eventually, I lost the bet on what we were getting at Blockbuster and we rented Top Gun. And I remember after we like watched it together it was crazy i was like obsessed i remember at the time i was like on my nintendo ds i changed like <laughs> my like username to like maverick oh my god stop that's so funny i don't remember the first time i watched this movie because i feel like it's just been a part of my life for so long and it's definitely like in my top 10 favorite movies Top Gun, if you know me, you know how much I love this movie. It's like kind of such a core part of the movies that I love, but I can't remember the first time that I watched it, but I guess it's just been a really long time. And I mean, we've been talking about doing this episode for so long that like, I feel like we've been thinking about this before the podcast even started. Oh, absolutely. Like, I feel like this is one of those movies, if you just listened to our last episode, you know that oftentimes we don't super agree on movies, but this is one of those rare movies that the both of us just love. Like, it is just so good. And something we're going to talk about today, which I'm excited to talk about, is that not everyone feels the same way about this movie. I know. And with that being said, we're releasing this episode. Hopefully, it's going to be up by Thursday. So, Top Gun Maverick will be premiering today, which is... Oh my god, this movie came out in 86. It's almost like 30-something years later. Almost 40 years. Almost 40 years. That's wild. And one of the things about the sequel is that it wasn't long after this first film got released that the sequel was ready to go, but like they didn't Tom Cruise didn't want to do it and they, you know, nobody really wanted to sign on board for it. And it's so crazy like looking at it years later. So Highly encouraging you all to watch this. It's leaving Netflix on May 31st, so make sure you give it a watch before it leaves Netflix and hopefully go see Top Gun Maverick in theaters because we want to support this movie. We've heard amazing reviews from it. Yeah, so with that... I'm going to give you a spoiler warning right here. We're going to be talking about Top Gun, the 1986 film, in great detail. If you have not seen that by now, we highly encourage you get on that and then come back and give us a listen after that. But until then... Let's talk about the plot a little bit. So we get our intro sequence, which if you've seen Top Gun, you just understand it's an iconic, iconic. piece of your like <laughs> film history. So this opening shot cost production 
this is kind of like up in the air a little bit. $25,000 to film because they were filming it on like a ship in the ocean. They wanted to get the shot of that aircraft going off right as the sun is rising so they could get it backlit and get that really nice shadow. And as you see, it ended up happening. However, the carrier captain of the ship like changed courses or something and they weren't going to be able to get the shot. So Tony Scott, who's the director of the film, was like, I need you to turn around. The guy's like, no. And he said, how much is it going to cost for you to turn the ship around? And so to get another shooting of five minutes, like of entire like film, not even of the film, just of shooting cost $25,000. Tony Scott wrote him a check on spot. But according to him, the check ended up bouncing. But it's still a cool story. $25,000 for one shot. Worth it, if you ask me. I love the opening sequence. And I mean, you have Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins playing. Oh, stop. (laughs) That song I don't think this film would be the same without that song. Fun fact, I was once pulled over for speeding and (laughs) the song that I was playing was Danger Zone. And, you know, I just got a little bit carried away and I was honest with the police officer. I was just like, I'll be honest, (laughs) I got lost in the music and I got off with a warning. Nice. I'm sure he really appreciated your uh, Top Gun reference there. I, I hope so. (laughs) So almost immediately, we're introduced to Goose and Maverick, who are two main characters throughout this. And Maverick is played by none other than Tom Cruise. Yeah, you texted me the last time you did a rewatch, and (laughs) you uh, have a thing for young Tom Cruise. Young Tom Cruise with the middle tooth? I get it. Absolutely. No question about that. (laughs) I like Goose more than Maverick, personally. um, Okay. Which, you know... If you've seen Top Gun as well, doesn't really play out well, but... Well, yeah, but um, referencing our previous conversation, that's also kind of funny, but we're not going to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) We get that iconic line right at the top of this film where he says, talk to me, Goose, and that is kind of like a line he references throughout the rest of the film and has become one of those lines that I think everyone references. Oh, also, we talked about at the very beginning that i have the need the need for speed is in like the what is it like top 100 movie quotes of all time yeah on like a list of top 100s i think it's in the 90s yeah absolutely crazy that line is iconic which is funny because i personally think uh talk to me goose is more iconic but i agree i definitely would say but i feel like I have the need for speed is it's more like playful in everyday conversation, maybe. I don't know. I quote this movie a lot. It's a quotable movie, 100%. So we open on a naval training base and all the guys are up in the air at this point. We've got Maverick and Goose. So Maverick is the pilot and Goose is his RIO, which stands for Radar Intercept Officer. And one of the things that was really cool about this film was they had Pete Pettigrew, which funny, (laughs) funny name be the technical advisor as he was an instructor at actual Top Gun. So Top Gun's a real school. And one of the things that Pete Pettigrew said that while in the creation of the script was he was discussing like naval terms, whatever, with the writers in the room. And the writers were like, I felt like he was speaking a different language. But they decided to keep all of that stuff like abbreviations and things and just like naval slang without explanation in the film. So it felt more authentic. Which, I don't know about you, but, like, watching this movie the first time around, I also felt like I was thrown into this world and I didn't understand, like, a few of the things that they were saying. I felt like you learn it as you watch along. 
Yeah. I definitely wasn't getting it the first time I was watching it, but by the end I was understanding it a lot more, which is why I was like appreciating it more during my rewatches. Absolutely. So we open up in the air with Mav and Goose, and they've got two MiG-28s on them. Let's talk about the MiG-28s before. We're going to give you a little backstory before we really get into this. The MiG-28s are fictional aircrafts that they came up with for Top Gun. And the enemy aircraft, this is a quote from challenge coin nation the real enemy aircraft featured in top gun was actually an f5e tiger 2 and is not an actual mig aircraft so mig is like like if you think about planes it's like boeing it's a manufacturer of aircrafts and it's a russian aircraft corporation so mig 28 is a fictional ship but migs do exist they just made this one like super cool and kind of unrealistic to make the movie cooler. One of the things I read about when I was doing my research was that a lot of the sequences in Top Gun were so realistic that it actually like put them on the radar. Oh, really? Well, most of these flying scenes are actual flying scenes. The only scenes that they're not actually in the air are pretty much the explosions and then like a couple of them in the cockpit, but not a lot of them. One of the things I'm actually really excited for in Top Gun Maverick, I read that when they were filming like the cockpit sequences, each flyer, because Tom Cruise insisted that they all went through flying school and did the flying sequences, was in control of their own camera. So it's like their own personal oh, cinematography. That's really neat. I'm interested to see how that plays out but i'm glad that you brought up that they went through flight school because in the original top gun all of the actors went through flight school and they had to do it because they were actually up in the air and they were up in these aircraft so you have to be trained in emergency how to get out of a cockpit if you like crash in the ocean so they had to do things like being held underwater escaping an upside down cockpit in the water and being in a helicopter dunker and then also going into a pressure chamber at 25,000 feet to experience hypoxia, which is like low oxygen levels in the body. So they like actually went through all of this stuff in kind of a crash course. It was like a four day crash course so that they could be up in these planes and like doing G's and everything and still being conscious, essentially. I also read that for Tom Cruise, he insisted on going through some flybys with other naval people and they, he was like insistent on it and apparently his first time up when they were doing like barrel rolls and flips he started throwing up and heaving and as <laughs> yeah. soon as he landed, he called his agent and is like, I have to do this, I want to learn how to this do movie. this. Yeah, so actually every single actor that did the flight training threw up except for Anthony Edwards, who plays Goose. So every one of them threw up in air. That's disgusting. I could never. I know. <laughs> but that that flight sequence that you were talking about with Tom Cruise, they actually let him go up with the Blue Angels. The Blue Angels were like, oh yeah, we need to show this. This guy, he showed up with like a ponytail and whatever. And they're like, we need to show this hippie guy like what's up and scare him out of it. And then I, opposite happened. He actually got stoked. That's crazy. Yeah, so we open with this big sequence and I don't know about you. I personally think that this one in comparison to the ones that come is very underwhelming. But mm -hmm. then again, it's kind of just an introduction to this world of the Naval Academy and the Air Force and all that so i don't necessarily think it's supposed to be like an intense scene especially you get that comedic moment where he flips him the bird oh the inversion is one of the most iconic moments of this movie because he references it later and i was inverted <laughs> exactly and another thing i read as well was they had the stunt pilots flying obviously when they were filming the sequences but the actors were usually the person in the backseat with the stunt pilot so they were going through the movements can you imagine working on a film like that where you're actually in Air. Like it astounds me to this day that they did most of most of this like literally up in the air because one of the writers 
I, I think it was Jack Epps that said this. There's a really, really amazing documentary called Danger Zone, The Making of Top Gun. And it kind of goes through a lot of behind the scenes stuff and how Top Gun got created because it almost didn't. As most big, huge movies you know, go through, they almost don't get created. But Jack Epps said, quote, I didn't want it shot on a blue screen. I wanted it shot at 28,000 feet because he didn't think it would have been as effective had it been shot on the blue screen. And I think the things that they pulled off in this film are amazing. Like being able to film up there, they got clearance from the Navy to use fighter jets and like actually film sequences with that. And they actually fired two missiles and there's only two you'll see later in the plot or obviously hopefully you've already seen it but there's a lot of missile fire going on and only two actual missiles were fired so they just had to take them at a bunch of angles and i read a little behind the scenes when they saw the finished product they were convinced there was no way they got all the shots they needed with only two missiles and so they investigated them because they were under the impression they fired more than the two missiles they were allotted yeah no the editing it was like something about editing sequencing and also the what ended up being blue screen for those sequences they the like pentagon investigated them they did such a good job with it and it really does look realistic and it doesn't look like they're kind of repeating the same shots because they're not it's just different angles so they're going head to head with these two migs and maverick essentially gets a missile lock on one of them but the other one's going against his wingman cougar and cougar gets really shaken up in this scene and he kind of goes into an almost like shock state he like has a panic attack like up in the air and they don't really explain it until they get on the ground but his rio is like cougar come on you got to pull up you got to pull up because cougar is essentially just not flying anymore and this MIG's about to take him down. And they're running out of gas, too. They have, like, no more gas left. I think the right. MIGs had left at this point, and the issue is that they were out of gas or something. They were out of gas, and then Cougar wasn't returning to base, so they were essentially yeah. just going to run out of fuel and crash land. Right. So Mav and Goose land the ship, but we get this really cool, like, land takeoff moment again where Maverick goes up, and he is kind of scolded. Well, he's definitely scolded for this later because, as you'll see, Maverick is extremely in his own world and super super impulsive and doesn't but they call him reckless over and over again so he goes up kind of talks cougar down and has him fly on his wing down so that they can both land safely together and i actually read that originally once he landed he was supposed to die his wheel was supposed to give out and it was still supposed to crash oh really yeah but then it didn't test well with test audiences so they rewrote it to him just being in shock and wanting to leave i feel like that definitely wouldn't have worked with where the plot goes later it would have been like too much tragedy and i also read that and i mean a big part of this movie that we'll talk about more of like the controversial side of it is that at its core it is kind of a navy propaganda film because mm -hmm. they kind of monopolize on you know an adrenaline rush once you watch this and all of a sudden you want to go do these crazy things and they thought that it would turn people away because it would show them the real life dangers that could actually happen yeah absolutely and so the entire film is based off of an article that was called I think that magazine article was called Top Guns and they were trying to name the film Top Guns, but they were like, oh, that doesn't sound as good. And I, I agree with them. I think they made the right choice there. But they it took them a while. They bought the magazine article, but it's based off of Top Gun, the school. And one of the things that really shaped the film was the pictures that were within this article. And they were like, oh, my God, that guy looks just like Tom Cruise. And that guy just looks like Val Kilmer, like they, and they look just like them. We're going to make this. And the guys were like shirtless in a car in this photo from the magazine article. And I mean, if you've seen the movie, they really kind of monopolize on that image. <laughs> At one point, they say, 
they're talking about the there's a locker room scene that we'll get to in a little bit if we ever move on the plot here <laughs> they say you know we needed a locker room scene for several re- reasons but the writer said and one of them is that we were paying a million dollars for tom cruise and we wanted to quote show some flesh <laughs> they're just monopolizing i think that's how they got the girls into the movie they were trying to be like oh look there's gonna be a shirtless tom cruise listen i love this movie and i'm not gonna lie to you one of the reasons i love this movie is that volleyball scene <laughs> and apparently there's another one in top gun maverick oh yes <laughs> how can you not how can you not so once they land cougar gets called into the office and they're kind of just looking for an explanation and he says that in the moment that the mig locked onto him he realized that he could be dead and he hasn't even met his like newborn infant yet and that kid would then grow up an orphan so he's kind of scared out and turns in his wings which then leads to goose and maverick being sent to top gun which is a naval fighter weapon school where they essentially have the best of the best pilots and they're trained on these like very evasive maneuvers because they're the front line of defense. So what they're teaching is ACM, which is air combat maneuvering, which essentially is dogfighting. Dogfighting is close range air battles, which is really cool. So that's why we get all these really cool airplane shots, all these missile shots. Like it's really sick. It's honestly a really cool concept for a movie if you're able to do it with the budget that they did. So then we're taken to Top Gun Academy, and my favorite part of the first day at the Academy is when they all go out to the bar and Maverick (laughs) tries to go and pick up a woman, and you have this iconic scene where- she's lost that love and feeling. She's lost that love and feeling. He puts on this whole facade where he performs You've Lost That Loving Feeling to this woman that he sees across the bar. And the whole bar who's filled with all these other Navy pledges. I don't know why I said pledges. This isn't a fraternity. Navy officers. (laughs) And they all join in and sing. And she eventually agrees that he can buy her a drink. Right. She's like, have a seat. And this is our introduction to Charlie or Charlotte. But She's called Charlie. And I want to talk about Charlie for a second because her character, I'm going to take a quote from IMDb here, is based on a woman named Christine Fox who is tall, blonde, leggy, and has a penchant for clacking high heels. At the time the movie was being produced, the filmmakers wanted the character of Charlie to either be a groupie or a gymnast. But when the producers met Fox, whose call sign was legs, that's kind of funny, they changed the role. So now we get Charlie, who has her PhD in astrophysics, who's based off of Fox, who was a mathematician. So it's a little different. But it's really interesting because you you see this character kind of evolve from what's just supposed to be eye candy and a female love interest to this really powerful woman who was based on somebody who to this day has had the highest clearance for a female. Like she's the highest ever ranking female officer for the Department of Defense, which is really cool. And it was actually Don Steele, who was the head or one of the heads of Paramount Pictures, who would not authorize this picture until they gave more character to Charlie. And I'm and I so love glad Charlie, they did. Yeah. Right? She's such a badass, and especially for like a movie that was coming out in the 80s. I feel like we get a lot of superficial characters. I feel like they definitely had this movie been made today. And it's going to be interesting how they play with the women in Top Gun Maverick, because We're going to talk about it a little later, but they keep mentioning this woman, Penny Benjamin, and Penny Benjamin is going to be the love interest in Top Gun Maverick, which I think is a cool callback that they kind of bring from the movie. It's a cool callback, but I would have preferred Charlie. Yeah, maybe a little more realistic to have Penny Benjamin, but we'll see. But I'm excited to see how it plays out because had this movie 
Top Gun, the original 86, been made today, I think we would have gotten a very different Charlie and a much more headstrong Charlie, where this one's still a little more demure, but she is very smart and she can still hold her own. But in this moment in the plot, they don't realize who she is and like that she's one of their instructors. They just think she's a woman at the bar that they can pick up. So after stringing Maverick along, she eventually kind of just sets him down and is like, not going to happen. And we cut to the next day in class where plot twist, she's the instructor. Love this scene because you get this tension between Charlie and Mav. And it's like when she's talking about the MIGs and she's trying to present all this information because she has super high clearance. And she even says to him at one point, the Pentagon sees to it that I know more than you. And he's basically telling her about the inversion that he was in. And what does she say? It says, oh, he says, we happened to see a MIG-28 do a 4G negative dive. And she says, where did you see that? And he says, it's classified. (laughs) And then they have this like power struggle where she's just like, I have the highest clearance. You can trust me. Right. And then he's like, (laughs) well, I'd have to kill you. Right. And I love when she she's like, Lieutenant, what were you doing there? And he says, communicating. And Goose is like, he's giving him the bird, you know, (laughs) and like flicks her off. (laughs) It's just this great moment. But then all of a sudden, once Charlie realizes who this is, she becomes fascinated with him. And he kind of becomes her muse at the Top Gun Academy. She feels that Maverick has the potential to be so much. Right. And he is clearly a good pilot. And they've they talk about this throughout the entirety of this film. Like it's it's known that Maverick is a good pilot. His downfall is that he's reckless. And so we see a great example of that in the first dogfight that we have at Top Gun. And I think it's Mav and Goose versus do you remember who it is? It's versus Jester, who's one of their instructors. Jester. Oh, okay. Um, but Mav and Goose take him down, and this is where we get the flyby or the buzz the tower moment where Mav requests a flyby for the first time. And this is where the, the plane kind of flies really close to the tower. And it, that's why they call it buzzing the tower. It shakes the tower because of the, the force of the plane. And <laughs> that that moment where, oh, my God, I don't know his name, but the guy spills his coffee on himself. He's like the tower officer or something. I don't know what they're called. Whatever. You know who I'm talking about. If we don't get a call back to that in Top Gun Maverick, I'm going to be so upset. I'm sure we will. You think so? I think so. It's too iconic not to. I know, right? So after this, we get... Charlie asking Maverick out. And back at Top Gun Academy, there's also a bit of a rivalry forming between Maverick and Iceman. And at the Top Gun school, they have a plaque on the wall where the highest pointed graduate, so in their dogfights during training, they earn points. So whoever scores the most points in each graduating class gets their name put on the plaque. And they ask who they think is going to be put up there. And no one answers except for Maverick. And he has a very arrogant (laughs) persona. And he's like, I'm the best one in here. But everyone kind of goes like, huh? Because they all think Iceman's the best one. Right. And I mean, Iceman is much more, you kind of get this like very controlled what you should do version of a pilot, you know, Iceman does exactly what he's told, exactly what he should do. And Maverick is objectively a naturally gifted, better flyer, but he's just so reckless. He doesn't have that mental check. And they even have that moment where after that first dogfight where they take down Jester, they ask Jester what he thinks of Maverick. And he says that he admires his skill, but he wouldn't trust him as his wingman. Right. And that's obviously becomes a big thing later. But after this first dogfight and the flyby, Charlie asks Maverick out, which 
again, love giving Charlie her agency here. She kind of like makes the first move on him and obviously he accepts. And that brings us right to one of the most iconic scenes, which is the volleyball scene. If you haven't heard of this scene, you've been living under a rock. I don't care if you haven't seen this movie. (laughs) Was the senior sexual awakening? Absolutely. It's just a (laughs) bunch of shirtless guys playing volleyball. In like slow motion and they're like super sweaty. Like it's, ugh, this is like a great 80s montage we have here. The entire movie in general is just a very 80s movie. The quintessential 80s movie, if you will. And it's a top 10 movie of all time, at least for me. Oh, same. I'm so glad we're in agreement for once. Anyway, so I have notes for this volleyball scene, and all I have is, ugh, wow. And then Maverick leaves for spicy time with Charlie, which doesn't get super spicy yet. Yeah, we kind of see not a lot between Charlie and Maverick at first. I don't really think it takes off until, like, the middle of the movie. Yeah, they kind of start off slow, which is nice to, like, see that build and have it form very naturally. And Charlie also is another one of those instructors that kind of tells Maverick, you know, you're really reckless and you should be careful because that's not going to get you very far here. Right. I think she, like, definitely has clarity about who he is as a person. And and that's really important for her to see him in that way. I think their relationship is very interesting because there's moments where you're not really sure if it's technically taboo because she is his instructor Mm -hmm. and she even admits that as soon as she starts catching feelings for him she's becoming a little bit hostile towards him because she doesn't want people to know that she's fallen for him right i mean we get that whole fight scene between the two of them and she says to him directly i just don't want anyone to know that i've fallen for you and they're yelling at each other during this car chase and he's on his motorcycle and she's driving her car and they like disrupt traffic it's very explosively almost toxic in a way, but I think it's just the passion between the two of them really comes to a head in that moment. One thing I read is that in that scene where she has that moment where she's telling Maverick off and he just kisses her, Tom Cruise actually had a line and he just forgot his line. So he improvised and just kissed her and they liked that better. So they kept it in. Great transition into like this sexy time scene with with Charlie. Is this is this Take My Breath Away? This is Take My Breath Away. And we're just moving from one iconic moment to another. So then we go to the next day, and this time we're running a mission that Goose and Maverick are going up against Viper. It's a little bit of a learning moment, and this is where that line of, you know, I wouldn't trust him as my wingman comes into play. Because mm-hmm. during this one, Jester comes back and actually ends up taking out Maverick because Maverick ends up abandoning his wingman to go after someone else in the training exercise. He goes against the training, essentially. And it becomes this huge moment where Jester's like, you never leave your wingman. And that kind of becomes a recurring theme with Maverick. Everyone's always telling him he's a great flyer, but he's reckless and they wouldn't trust him as their wingman. This is where we get that locker room scene, right? Is that right after this? Yes. So one of the things about that locker room scene is that they said they felt like they needed it in the script because if you talk to the writers about it, They see this as a sports movie, and the sport is ACM, which is aero combat maneuvering. And that's kind of an interesting take on it, but coming from the writers, obviously that's what they meant for it. And I think it kind of comes across that way because what they said at the core of it and why they felt like they needed that scene and why the volleyball scene wasn't just like an eye candy moment, but it's it's meant to show how much competition is between the guys. And so that's why that locker room scene was important. Also because they wanted to um, make use of 
Tom Cruise and his body and the $1 million they were paying him. <laughs> well, let's not forget the tidy whitey scene we have later. Oh, stop. <laughs> I love this movie. So again, we're hitting back with another iconic scene of film. This is the Great Balls of Fire scene. And we had previously been introduced to Goose's wife. I don't think she ever has a name, does she? Not that I know of. I just call her Goose's wife. Yeah. So Goose's wife is introduced and it's her, Goose, their kid, and then Charlie and Mav. And they're all at this bar. And Goose is singing Great Balls of Fire. And then Mav goes to join him. And his wife goes, hey, Goose, you big stud. And he says, yes, honey, she's to take me to bed or lose me forever. And you just, oh, man, this scene is so great. And this, I think, gives you such a huge buildup for, like, what we're about to get in, like, two scenes. And, you know, you, you know what's coming at this point. But I feel like they put you on such a high and you get such, like, a ray of sunshine coming from Goose's wife. Would you agree? Like, they put you on this hill just to knock you right off the cliff. Absolutely. I think that's why it's placed right before the scene that's about to happen. Right. Like she's and his wife is just so wonderful. Like she's that person that just really lights up a room when she walks in, you know. And we'll be seeing a little bit more about his family in Top Gun Maverick because his son is supposed to be grown up and at the academy with Maverick now. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm really excited. I really don't know much about the plot because I've kind of. I like going into movies completely blind. Obviously, I've seen the trailer, but I don't know. I haven't researched too much about it. So we're back at the Academy, and it's about two weeks till graduation. So right now, Iceman and Maverick are neck and neck for that top spot to get their name on the plaque. And we should also mention that if you get your name on the plaque, you also get an invitation to come back as a trainer at Top Gun Academy. So mm-hmm. very coveted spot. And Maverick's essentially in a bit of a panic state because he's trying to get that edge on Iceman. So we cut to this chase scene and Iceman and Maverick are chasing down an A4. So one of the things that's really important we didn't mention earlier is a way to increase your score and win more points up in air is to defeat the enemy planes in less time. So Iceman taking his time to shoot this Meg down when he has it locked already is him kind of sabotaging Mav in a way because he already has more points than them. And since they're in this match together, if he keeps them up in the air longer, Mav's going to go down in points. So I that was something I didn't catch until this last watch. And I think that's something really important because it really kind of falls on Iceman. Yeah, it's it is, also falling on Maverick because Maverick's the one that impatience. chose to pursue it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it really brings that out. So it that rivalry gets the best of them. And I think they've just been building that up so much to this point where it really comes to a head in that moment. So Maverick essentially pressures Iceman to back off so he can take it down, but Iceman's not backing off. So Maverick, of course, tries to speed up and gets caught up in the jet wash of Iceman's aircraft. And this causes him to flame out both of his engines, which then leads to his jet going into an uncontrolled spin. Yeah, it's a flat spin. So like it's when you're going down in a flat instead of like a nosedive, but With that, something about the G's and the way that it's spinning, like the force on you, you can't really get a hold on anything that's around you. But essentially, Maverick and Goose have to eject. And this is the scene that always just like, I hate the scene. I literally was texting you through this like during my last watch. And I was like, I thought 
Goose died earlier. And I was like, wait, we haven't gotten Great Balls of Fire yet. And then we got Great Balls of Fire. And I was like, I'm not safe anymore. <laughs> so essentially how it works when you eject is the canopy on your jet will fly off and then your seats fly up. But what happened in this instance was he banged his head against the canopy and it essentially killed him. Yeah. And you just see that horrific scene where they both fall into the water and the water around Goose just turns red and Mav is holding him and they're like, you need to let him go. You need to let him go. And then you see, you literally see his lifeless body being flown up into the helicopter. It's so sad. It's so heartbreaking. And then essentially the rest of the movie, Maverick is just a really sad person too. He's not the same. And I'm interested to see how this is going to play out because Top Gun Maverick is going to take place so much later. So obviously that grief is probably going to still be a part of it, especially having Goose's son within the plot of the story. But it's it's going to be interesting because at this point in the movie, it's at the forefront for the rest of the plot. Right. And I mean, Charlie tries to console him and he's not really having it. They get really distant from each other. Yeah, and there's, oh my god, that that scene with Goose's wife and his kid just waiting, and Maverick has this moment with her. You just see this, like, light die in her, you know? It's really important to note her line, too, where she mentions, you know, if it was the other way around, Mm -hmm. Goose would have still flown without you. He would have hated it, but he would have done it. Yeah. Because that's kind of a turning point for Maverick, because at this point, Maverick is just done. He wants to retire. He feels at fault for the accident, and he doesn't want to fly again. Yeah, he essentially quits Top Gun for a second. I mean, it doesn't last very long, but like he does quit Top Gun. He's he's done. I don't want to fly anymore. But he does have enough points to graduate. Right, and that comes into play when he goes to visit Viper for advice because Viper says, you still qualify to graduate and I think you're making a mistake for dropping out when you should be graduating because essentially at this point he's walking away from training. Right, so Mav basically takes his advice and ends up going to graduation and one of the funny things about this is they they have the Top Gun trophy and Iceman obviously wins because he was number one pretty much this whole time and it was Maverick's reckless nature that kind of caused his downfall. We wouldn't have really gotten the same story if Maverick would have won anyway, but Top Gun Trophy is, in the words of the writer, a dramatic license because they needed something to kind of show the end of school, like the graduation ceremony, but like a big thing that they were competing for. It doesn't exist like in real life. Like this Top Gun Trophy is not a real thing and all of the naval officers who were working on the film were kind of like what are you guys doing here <laughs> this is this is not real and during the graduation party iceman hollywood and maverick are actually given orders to go and assist with a rescue mission on the enterprise ship right and that kind of so this is another one of those films where i feel like we almost got a false ending like it definitely could have ended at graduation but i'm glad it didn't but we do get that lull moment where nothing's really happening and then we immediately get thrown right back into the coolest dogfight that we have for the entire film because they're actually shooting missiles this time this entire time they've just been locking each other but now we're actually like in a real combat scene which is neat right and up until now they've been in training and this is like the real deal yeah and this is an important moment where viper says you know maverick you're gonna get assigned and you'll get another rio when you get your ship assigned to you and if you don't i'll fly with you so you you get that full circle moment where he's saying no everybody's saying maverick i'd never let you be my wingman and then you're getting viper who is kind of his mentor throughout this whole entire process saying you know 
I'll be your RIO if you need one. So then we cut to the fight scene, and essentially Iceman and Hollywood are the front line, and they're going up against these six MiGs, but they don't see them on radar, they only see one, and then as they fly in, they're gradually popping up, and they're like, no, there's two, no, there's three, and all of a sudden you realize they're being sabotaged. So what happens is there's a communication ship, it became disabled, and it wandered into foreign territory, so now they're on a rescue mission, and they know there's MiGs in that territory. They're immediately given permission to fire when they're fired upon. So what happens when they go up, like, Mav isn't the first one up, it's Hollywood and Iceman, and then Hollywood ends up going down, but he gets shot. So he's out, and then Mav is up to go. He's in, and they've already got six bogeys on their tail, and they're, like, in the middle of this huge fight. So... Mav flies through another jet wash, which, you know, we're getting a lot of callbacks in this scene that kind of tie the entire plot together. And he loses it for a second and pulls away. He disengages. But then he has Goose's dog tags in his hand, which Goose's wife gave to Mav and says, talk to me, Goose. So he reengages and you get this crazy missile fire. And this is those missiles that we were talking about earlier, where they only had two shots to get these missiles right. And they had several camera angles. And it really comes across as a pretty intense fight scene. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. This this seat has me on the edge of my seat every time I watch it. And I've seen this movie like so many times, no matter how many times I've seen it. I still am on the edge of my seat every time. Right. I have, I think, one, two, three. I have at least four missile fires that they put in here, but they only had two. But they it looks so cool. Like, I haven't really sat down and been like, oh, my God, is this one? Is this one? Is this two? Because what's the point? But anyway, they end up scaring all the MiGs out. And then <laughs> and then you get that moment again where he says Mustang this is Maverick requesting flyby and they go negative the pattern is full but he does it anyway and the guy gets his coffee spilled on him again and everyone's cheering at the end Iceman says you can be my wingman anytime and they they hug and then interesting moment because Mav tosses Goose's dog tags into the ocean and this feels very like end of Titanic what is Hollywood's obsession with throwing things in the ocean it's poetic (laughs) I was like, that is so sentimental. I would have kept that forever, but maybe I'm a hoarder. Whatever. So basically, since Mav saved the day, his name is in all the newspapers, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, you got your choice of duty. You can go wherever you want to go. Where are you going to go? He says, I thought of being an instructor, sir. And I guess that sets us up for what we have now. At the very end of the film, we get kind of Mav and Charlie and Charlie plays. You've lost that love and feeling on the jukebox and... It's just like a closing of the romantic sequence between the two of them. See, I personally thought that Maverick picking to be a Top Gun instructor, not necessarily wanting to teach at Top Gun. I thought it was more of a romantic move so he could be with Charlie, which is why I'm surprised that she's not in the sequel. See, I didn't see it that way. Interesting. I like that we kind of saw a different interpretation of that. Different, Different universes. Interesting. One of the cool things that I didn't bring up during that fight sequence is that all of those crashes that you see going down where they're like losing wings and they're like on fire, those are all scale models of it. And that was actually shot on blue screen. But oh my God, if you look up that, it's on YouTube, the Danger Zone, the making of Top Gun. It's probably in the first 30 seconds. You can see one of those models go down in the crash. It is so freaking cool. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah, I'll send you the link later. So with that, let me ask you, where do you put this movie on a scale of 1 to 10? Shut up. 10. Absolutely. No question. I'm in okay. agreement. This, okay, this movie is so good. <laughs> it's it's in both of our top 10s, which is a huge statement, I think. I think it's the quintessential 80s movie. Like, it doesn't get better than this. It really doesn't. And I think 
one of the things I really like about it is that it is kind of over the top and cheesy at certain parts, but then it gets very serious. It has a little bit of both. It's like a nice mixture. Yeah. And the action sequences, I'm not an action girl, but maybe it's because like airplanes are in my blood. For those of you that don't know, my father's a pilot. And when I was a child, my room was airplane themed. <laughs> I just I think it's so cool and those those action sequences are so much cooler from 28,000 feet above the ground. You must have really gone crazy when Pixar announced planes. I didn't know that was a thing. It's not a good thing. Oh, okay, never mind. Well, <laughs> Don't let me watch leave the you movie planes. <laughs> let me leave you with a good thing cuz I'm not sure if you read this, but I'm sure you would appreciate it. This film is credited with starting like the VHS home release because originally the VHS tapes were priced at like $100 and up on their first release and were just kind of like sold to video stores. But this film was priced to own immediately because Pepsi-Cola bought ad space at the beginning. So you get those ads at the front. So then since then, VHS tapes were kind of starting. I mean, that was revolutionary because then that created DVDs, which then created streaming. And it's, you know, thanks Top Gun. You know my physical media obsession. I, to this day, love collecting physical media. I'll always buy a DVD. I've even been a part of the VHS underground market. Shout out Katie Video. I <laughs> am obsessed. So yes, when I read that, Top Gun kind of like paved the way for that. That really just like, uh, another what reason for movie. me to love Top Gun. Right? I was going to say for you, this is like the perfect movie because it's like the VHS thing and it's Top Gun. But I do want to note really quick that this movie was dedicated to Art Scholl because he was a Hollywood stunt pilot. And through the filming of this, he was unfortunately killed and his, his plane crashed off the Pacific coast and the aircraft and his body were never recovered. So this film was dedicated to him as it should be. Definitely. Um, so with that, I am going to say if you guys enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and give us a follow at BTST podcast on Twitter or Instagram. And if you want to join our movie discussion, let us know what you thought about Top Gun. Or if you're planning to check out Top Gun Maverick, we sure are too. So let us know what you think about that once you see it. Go ahead and shoot us an email at btstpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe if you enjoyed today's episode and make sure to join us next time where we will be discussing Dear Evan Hansen. But go watch Top Gun Maverick this week please absolutely so with that i'm sean and i'm kat and this has been the top gun episode of been there <laughs> seen that thanks for listening bye